today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Sometimes we think of the gospel as almost like this little packet of information we're to deliver to people because it's, a, you know, it's good information to have. Like when you see somebody out that's like handing out flyers for like, you should get a flu shot or, you know, we should conserve this trail or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay, thanks. I appreciate the, you know, throwing the trash. We think, okay, that's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus is asking him to communicate. He's asking him to communicate how much the Lord has done for you. He says, tell your story. Open God, oh my soul. ever been corrected about something you were doing and instead of being gently redirected, the person blasts you for doing it wrong? It turns your heart away from that person because their manner towards you was distasteful. In today's teaching, Pastor Ricky mentions that people can have a similar reaction to you if you tell them about God in a way that's belligerent or offensive. But there's a better way to tell about Jesus. Let your message be inviting, not inciting. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Acts, chapter 1, as he continues his message, Witnesses. As we have seen in this series, we encounter Jesus and we are saved by Jesus in a radical, transforming way. Our sins were covered. Our debts were paid. Our chains were broken. Our standing before God was secured. Our reconciliation to God was complete. Our adoption by God was accomplished all by the saving work of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Look, this man is gonna be qualified as a witness, not in spite of the things he has experienced, but in many ways because of the things he has experienced. This salvation that marks him will not just mark him as a disciple of Jesus, but will mark him out and set him apart to be a witness. Now, there's one other aspect of this that we as Christians need that is not explicit here, but I believe we need to pull in from Acts 1.8, the text we just read that says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. So the other aspect that's not clear in Mark 5 that is clear for each of us is that not only are we recipients of salvation, we are also recipients of the Spirit. That in addition to what the Lord has done in us in terms of salvation, we also have been given an additional gift, as if it's not good enough. We've been given the gift of the Spirit, specifically to empower us to be His witnesses. And I don't know about you, but when I think about being a witness, I think, okay, well, here's the bar that it takes to be a witness. Here's my power. If it takes 100 points of power, I'm at level, maybe you're doing well, 70. I'm at 50. I'm at 20. I'm at three. I'm at negative one, right? Something like that. And you think, well, I don't have enough power to be a witness. That's why Jesus sends the Spirit. It's not how much power we have. It's, it's our weakness met by the strength and power of the Spirit. So then we are turned into witnesses. So again, what qualifies us to be witnesses? If Jesus called us into his office and was reviewing the qualifications for being a witness, it would not be good, the smartest, most charismatic, most bold people. It would be, did you need Jesus? Did you encounter Jesus? Did you experience the salvation of Jesus? 
Did you get the gift of the Spirit? Well, perfect, you're qualified, right? If you are fearful today thinking about being a witness, I hope that encourages you. Or if you're like me and you're thinking, I would really like to find an excuse to get out of this thing, you can't get out. Look, if you've experienced the salvation of Jesus, you are a witness. Second question, what then does it mean to be a witness? Mark 5, we see a little bit in this story. Mark 5, as Jesus was getting, at verse 18, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. I mean, what a, I love how Mark writes this. The man who had been possessed is now begging to be with Jesus. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, the 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. What does it mean to be a witness? Well, we see two things in this man's story. We declare and we demonstrate. Witnesses declare, witnesses demonstrate. First, witnesses declare. Jesus tells them, tell your friends what? How much the Lord has done for you. Sometimes we think of the gospel as almost like this little packet of information we're to deliver to people because it's, a, you know, it's good information to have. Like when you see somebody out that's like handing out flyers for like, you should get a flu shot or, you know, we should conserve this trail or whatever. You're like, oh, okay, thanks. I appreciate the, and, you know, throw in the trash. We think, okay, that's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus is asking him to communicate. He's asking him to communicate how much the Lord has done for you. He says, tell your story of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. We declare, but we also then demonstrate. This man was a unique witness because his very life was a demonstration of the message he is proclaiming. The message he's proclaiming is, Jesus can save anyone, exhibit A, me. You may remember me from my appearances on the hills, crying out in the middle of the night, among the graveyard, screaming, breaking free of chains. You remember me? Well, he helped me, he can help you. Right? His life demonstrates this. Verse 14, back up and says this, the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Right? The change in this man is so obvious and palpable that it is a demonstration of the very thing he is proclaiming. His life is different. Now, here's the reality. I don't know your story as a Christian. Perhaps you had a dramatic conversion. Perhaps one day to the next, you were a drug addict and then saved and delivered. Perhaps one day you were destroying your marriage and you were saved and your spouse was amazed. If that is you... What we do as Christians sometimes is we like hide that part of our story and are like, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Now I'm a good person. No, no, no. That thing that the Lord saved you from is the very thing that demonstrates the reality of the message you're proclaiming, those hard parts of your life. But maybe you're like me and you grew up in church and God saved you from being, frankly, like a self-righteous little kid. 
you know, that would have been a jerk if allowed to continue. And the Lord saved you. Or the Lord in your life, that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the gospel has made the difference in your marriage or in your parenting or in some other aspect of your life that you are different because of what Jesus has done. In that way as well, you demonstrate who the Lord is. And obviously, we want to do a good job of demonstrating who the Lord is. So that's what it means to be a witness. Third section, let's dig into this just a little bit more. What do witnesses declare then? So if we are to declare, let's, let's dig into this just a little bit more. I just want to say up front, it is important that we declare. There's often this like big, cool meme that goes around in Christian circles that says, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. And it's often incorrectly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. He never said that. And so he said other things, none of them were that. And so I don't know where this came from. And I get it and understand the sentiment. The first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to be so obvious in my proclamation that no words are even needed, you know? And yet the word gospel itself means good news. So if you show up with the best news in the world and try to wave your hands excitedly until people get the idea, it's not going to work, right? Now, if you're not excited at all and it's really good news, then something else is off there. But if you just show up and your family and you, you text your wife, I have the best news ever, and you go home and you open the door and your kids are there like, what's the news? And you just are dancing and you never stop dancing and you just go and eat dinner and go to bed. Be like, what is the news though? Like, what, what, why are you so excited? We must declare it. So what do we declare? Well, first, we declare who Jesus is. We declare that he is the son of God, fully God and fully man, who has come to earth to save us. We should strive to understand who Jesus is so that we can declare him faithfully. But if you're here today and you're like, man, I don't even understand the workings of the incarnation. That seems like such a mystery to me. And I'm not going to declare anything until I know the intricacies of the incarnation. No, 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 no. This man, he didn't take a whole class on who Jesus was. He experienced who Jesus was. He knew he was the son of God. So that's what he went with. So whatever your level of knowledge about who Jesus is, that's what we are to communicate to others and keep growing in that knowledge. Next, witnesses declare what Jesus has done. Listen, church, it's so important to remember, we're not just proclaiming a good example or a good teacher. We are proclaiming a savior. So we must also declare what Jesus has done for us and could do for them. We must be getting better and better and growing more and more in our knowledge of the gospel and understanding of the gospel. We should want to get that right, to understand who are we, who is God, what does salvation mean, what are these big words in the New Testament, like justification or reconciliation or adoption or propitiation, right? We should want to understand those things. And yet, if you don't understand all those things yet, but you understand, I'm a sinner, Jesus saved me, like you can get in on this, go with that, right? That's what this man has going for him. Like he doesn't take a class on the substitutionary atonement and then go out and give, you know, he's like, hey, look, man, I was lost, now I'm found. I was bound, now I'm freed. You gotta get on this Jesus thing. So grow in your knowledge, but declare what you know. And third thing I'd add here is witnesses declare well. We wanna be faithful in declaring the gospel. And there's a couple ways we wanna do that. First, we wanna declare it with care. 1 Peter 3, the verse that often people are excited about because it says, we're always supposed to be ready to make a defense for anyone who asks us for the reason for our hope in God, right? We want to make a defense. 
So often we get into like, oh yeah, that's right, we're gonna get, we'll you know, load this puppy up with some tracks and Jesus videos and apologetics and put the armor on and get in the tank of apologetics and drive around and blast the gospel at people. And yet Peter says, yet do it with gentleness and respect, right? We undercut the message we're declaring if we're a jerk about it. That's all I'll say about that. Confidence, okay, we want to declare it with care. We also want to declare it with confidence. The believers pray in Acts 4 when they're being threatened. They pray, Lord, grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. We are to boldly declare it, especially in our culture, which is becoming more and more hostile to anybody that says that they have the truth with a capital T. We are to gently, respectfully share who Jesus is and what he has done with boldness. And last, we are to declare it with care, with confidence, and with, I don't know how to say this, I needed another C, with craft, right? With skill. We're to try to be good at declaring the gospel. There's this moment where you look in Acts and you see that Paul, based on who he's talking to, tries to make himself understandable for those people. So he speaks to a bunch of uneducated farmers and he starts his gospel presentation with, have you noticed the rain and the sun and kind of the natural uh, elements? And they're all farmers. So they're like, yes, we understand that. Okay. But he preaches in Athens, and what he says in Athens is, hey, I noticed that you have a statue that's to an unknown God. I'm going to tell you about that God. All of a sudden, everybody in Athens is like, oh, really? Okay, sure, bring him over here. Right? He does it with skill. So we want to grow in our ability to do this helpfully, compellingly. All right, fourth, that's what witnesses declare. Witnesses also demonstrate. I'm going to read one story from Luke 19 that helps us get at this aspect of demonstration. In Luke 19, it's the story of Zacchaeus. So if you grew up in church, he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. You remember all that, okay. The song's in your head now. You've got who this guy is. He was a short guy. He climbed a tree. It was humorous. He's a joke. And yet, verse five, and when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Right, this guy who's a sinner, he's a joke, he's a spectacle. Jesus says, that, that guy. And he knows, I'm going to make that guy a witness. Verse 6, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Right, Zacchaeus's story, what he says and decides to do demonstrates the reality of who Jesus is. This notorious sinner encounters Jesus, and then he responds out of the overflow of his heart, and that demonstrates who Jesus is. Uh, so first, he demonstrates who Jesus is, right? The character of Jesus is to be present more and more in the disciples of Jesus, right? As we're learning to follow Jesus in every area of life, as Jesus' image, as it were, becomes more and more clear through how we live, that points to him and the reality of him. Zacchaeus was once a greedy man, all of a sudden turned to generosity. 
That exchange doesn't happen apart from the good news of Jesus getting in and rearranging his heart. Then he demonstrates what Jesus has done. So what has Jesus done? Jesus has come to an unworthy sinner and has had mercy on him and given him better than he deserved, right? And so what does Zacchaeus do? Out of that, the overflow of his heart is, listen, if I've defrauded you, I'm not just going to pay back what I defrauded you. I'm not just going to give you interest. I'm going to give you four times whatever I took from you. And in fact, anything I have left, half of that is going to the poor. Did Jesus ask him for those things? Probably not. This was the overflow of his heart because Jesus had mercy on him, shown extravagant grace to him. His actions demonstrate extravagant grace to others. That's what it looks like to demonstrate the reality of who Jesus is. All right, last and very briefly, where do we witness? Where do we witness? Because I want us to see, okay, this isn't just like all this big biblical uh, language of like, oh, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. No, no, let's be real specific. Let's bring it home for us. Where do we witness? We witness in every place the Lord has set us in front of people who do not know Jesus. I grew up thinking that evangelism or witnessing was like a thing you prepared for and went out and did, and then we're like, wow, that was enough until next year, you know? Like we would gear up, we would go out and like hand out things or do an outreach in the park, and then it was like, all right, we're good. And then I would just go back to the, you know, to to school context or, or doctor's offices or neighborhoods or clubs and not have to worry about evangelism until the next big push. No, no, no. We're to be witnesses anywhere around us. There are people who don't know Jesus, which is everywhere. Now, a qualification before we jump into these things. We're going to talk through areas like home and work and, and city. And I don't mean to say that work and home and you know, city context only have value as it relates to being a witness. I believe that we often don't see them through the lens of being a witness, but it glorifies God for you to take a walk, okay? It glorifies God for you to work hard as under the Lord at your job. It glorifies God for you to, to rejoice in your family. So I'm not saying that's the only lens we look through the Christian life is the lens of witness. But here's what I would say. Often, that is a lens that we don't use as we look through the Christian life. We often are like, yeah, I'm going to enjoy this walk. I'm going to enjoy this football game. I'm going to enjoy this thing. I'm going to work hard. Like, we more naturally get those things. We often don't add the lens of witness. These people watching the football game with me, do any of them not know Jesus? People at my workplace, people at my kid's school program. So here's a few places. First is the home Our homes, as parents especially, are the first place we're called to be witnesses. No Christian will spend more time with your kids over the 18 or so years they are at home than you, parents. You have an opportunity to declare and demonstrate the reality of who Jesus is to them over and over and over again, year after year. And that's hard, isn't it? right? Like it's sometimes it's easier to just like build up to a big, like, okay, I'm going to share the gospel with my coworker. Here it is. Oh, all right, good. But you go home every day to those people and they see you get mad, right? When somebody moves their, you know, the remote or something like that, or they're not ready or where are your shoes? I told you to put them in the front, but you know, they see that. I was, was convicted. Like I've never even shared my testimony with my kids, like in a, Hey, here's my testimony. This is what Jesus has done for me kind of way. 
And I thought, that's like the first people that I know, the closest unbelievers I know are these little people. And so I shared, and it was kind of weird. I was like, I don't know how to share my testimony with a seven or five-year-old. Well, the Lord calls us to. That's an opportunity. Second, we witness at work. Look, work is an opportunity to log 40 to 50 hours with a bunch of people who don't know Jesus. Now, are you called to work hard just for the sake of glorifying God? Absolutely. But those places can often be contexts where you will get more time with those people than anyone else in their lives, save for maybe their family. Now, often, you got to understand where are the appropriate contexts to declare the gospel. You don't probably just want to like get a box and stand in the break room and say, listen up, everyone. I got something to say. You're probably going to get fired. Don't do that. So it's not going to be helpful. If you're working at a restaurant, don't climb on a table. And that's just, again, not going to be helpful. And yet, what an opportunity to build relationships and to wait for the opportunities to declare. All right, witness in the church. Look, we just have a lot of people in our church that don't even know Jesus yet or are exploring Jesus or are trying to find out what they think about Jesus. So let's also remember, when we show up on Sunday or show up in community group, there may be those that we want to help bring along to understand Jesus. We could do that by sharing our own testimony, declaring and demonstrating who Jesus is. All right, next, witness in the city. In Jeremiah, God tells his people to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. We are to care about the welfare of the city. And there's no better way to care for our communities, our schools, than by declaring and demonstrating the good news of Jesus. And again, you gotta understand the context, understand how to do that well, but they are places to do that. And last, the world. We are to witness to the world. Now, we as Americans, I'm an American, I can just say we can be pretty self-focused at times. We can be all about what's going on in our borders, our own teams, our own stuff, right? And not be conscious of the fact that there are billions of people in the world who lack a compelling gospel witness in their lives and community. There are millions of people for whom There is no even language, no person that has come with the good news of Jesus to their community. And our church must be globally minded. We must care about these things, not just ourselves, not just our city, but all over the world. All right, I want to end this way. I want to end by pointing something out to us. Maybe you hear all this and you think, okay, all right, well, I I probably, uh, you know, I need to do something with this. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Here's what I want you to see. The gospel advances primarily, not through a charismatic preacher gathering thousands of people in a big event under big lights. The gospel's pattern of advancement is primarily ordinary people, unlikely converts becoming unlikely witnesses that point to the extraordinary grace of God. Open God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong. listening to Better News Radio. 
Pastor Ricky has been teaching through a vision series on what things should be of utmost importance in a church. If you've missed a message from this series or would like to hear today's teaching again, you can do so by visiting our website at betternewsradio.com. Feel free to download the audio to take with you on the go or just listen online. We also encourage you to subscribe so you never miss an edition of the program. We're so glad that we can bring God's Word to you through the ministry of Better News Radio, and we want you to know that we're praying for you always. If you're seeking some prayer support, we're happy to do so. Simply call us at 915-562-7100. That's 915-562-7100. We'd be honored to hear from you and be aware of the things that you're wrestling with. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen today, and we hope that you can find encouragement through a Bible-believing church in your area. By joining a church, you gain a support group of brothers and sisters who put God's love into practice and can help you grow in your relationship with Christ. If you're ever in the El Paso area, please come join us here at Cross of Grace Church. You'll find all the information you need online at betternewsradio.com. Thanks for tuning in today to hear about what vision should look like in a church. Be sure to join us again next time for another edition of Better News Radio.